really the, the main takeaway I had from the Sonic movie is that it made me contemplate my own inevitable death. Oh, right. Okay. What? Why? Well, so what? in that movie, they're talking about... So they're talking about, like, what to do before you die. Like, Sonic's got a bucket list. Yeah. Uh, first of all, bu- is it 2009? Referencing bucket list, whatever. <laughs> Everyone, I know people have bucket lists still. Okay. So it fe- felt odd to hear. But Sonic's like, I want to do all these things before I die. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to die one day. <laughs> I, felt, I had like a horrible moment of existential dread where I was like, I'm going to die one day, and here I am, 9.35am on a Friday morning, <laughs> watching Sonic the Hedgehog on my own. Under request from me for the podcast. <laughs> you see, so you went to see this, uh, obviously, with your girlfriend, right? Yes, I did. And uh, was that evening. like a good, was that romantic for you? Was that a good time? It was a good time. It wasn't necessarily romantic, no, but it was, a, it was a good time. I feel like our experiences seeing this movie are fundamentally different. Because you saw it <laughs> alongside someone you love, like yep. in a on on the no Valentine's Day at an yep. appropriate time, <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it alone. <laughs> uh, you got up early. First thing of my got up early for it. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Little yeah, Geek, Geek Podcast. We're talking about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Uh, spoilers ahead for Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, movie. it only came out yesterday. But we're going to be talking about... I want to talk about all of it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We're not just talking about that in this podcast, but I want to do... I want to, at the front, just be talking about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie because we both saw it yesterday and I actually have a lot to say about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I went... So, first of all, I went to see it in the morning and yep. this was kind of a, a genesis of... Like, I saw... I, it drove a midweek. You were like, go see it, go see it. We'll talk about it. And yeah. I was like, um, well, I've kind of got Friday off. I'm not really doing anything on Friday. And then I was like, if I'm going to see it, I should really just go go for it and see it first thing in the morning. I don't know why I gravitated towards that, but I thought to myself, I could be like the first person in London to see Sonic. I could... <laughs> Wait, did you have the whole day off? Yeah, well, basically. So you could have seen it at any point? Yeah, I could. I didn't have anything <laughs> on. I did have like a day off. So I could okay. have gone to see it a bit later. But I thought, well... I don't really want to like block time out of my day to see it, but no. I'm not really going to be doing anything at half nine in the morning. Okay, fair. So I thought if I'm going to see it, let's go whole hog and go in. I'll see it in an empty movie theatre without anyone to kind of bother me. Is and it half term? I don't. I don't think it is because not many people were there. If there was okay. me, there was like another. I think man in front of me, like an adult. There yeah. were two teenage boys on the other side of a the theatre, and I think there are a couple of mums with kids. Okay, so that's in direct contrast to mine. Uh, my screening was full. Every, oh, really? every seat had been sold. Everyone was there. It was like 7.15, the, sh- the showing was. It was completely... It was the biggest screen in the cinema, and every it, everyone was there. All right, not well, every, may- not maybe the, it was full. Town, but, you know. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'm not saying that like movies are flop because no one went to see it at 9.30 on a Friday. <laughs> I'm I'm sure plenty of people came to see it later in the evening. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I I had a very so. Were, were the audience laughing? Were the audience getting the jokes? They were. People mm. really liked it. In my in my okay. Oh, I'm gonna say up front, I liked it uh, against against all odds, against everything that I thought leading into this film. I ended up actually liking it. For me, it's this year's Solo, which is a film which I thought had no reason to exist. In which I went to see, I ended up actually quite liking a lot. 
And I think the audience I, that I was with I also very it. much. Uh, <laughs> you didn't mind it. <laughs> what, what did you, what do you say about the audience? The audience I was with very much um, got on board with it. Like there were people laughing, there were people getting excited. There were kids in there. Okay, I think part of what made me enjoy it even more is that there were kids in my viewing who got super into it. Like, there were bits towards the end where they wanted Sonic to win, and when Sonic does something good, they were like, yeah! <laughs> and that was actually really cool to mm. see. Like, just, okay. like usually I don't I don't like, like people being loud in cinemas, but for some reason with this film, I was like, actually, I'm enjoying having the whole audience on board with this. Like, there were people laughing at jokes. There was one guy on his own who was sat next to my girlfriend, and he... It was the funniest film we'd ever seen. He, <laughs> <laughs> he laughed so much. Like he was clearly there as a Sonic fan, and he was super on board with with everything <laughs> on the in the film. And, no, and laughed good. so much. Now, I I did like the film like fairly well. I thought it was just average. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't. Um, I thought there were some funny bits. I wouldn't say I liked it as much as like Detective Pikachu or anything like that. I'm sort of like it, on equal footing with Detective I, Pikachu. Did I did I regret seeing it? I don't know. I guess I wasn't. <laughs> I I was didn't like like I said. I wasn't doing anything else from nine thirty five to like eleven yeah. on um actually half an hour of ads that cinema had before the That's start. That's crazy. Half an hour. Yeah, That's that was so crazy. Many. I I realized. I remembered why I didn't go to. I, I guess I'll call them out. I didn't realize why I didn't go to the View Islington just because they really have like a lot of ads before the film. Yeah, I mean, I went to view as well, and I think it was about twenty minutes for me. It's it's still a lot, but should have gone to Odin Covent Garden, but they weren't showing it that early, so they lost out. <laughs> Take that, Odium. Um, what <laughs> what bits stood out for you? I feel quite. I I had a moment of like, I hope no one, none of the staff at View Cinema <laughs> Islington hear this. <laughs> they don't I don't want to make like, them feel fine. bad. But oh, yeah, no, they, they, they'll know who you, what you look like because it's, it's unless you're like from the, uh, the marketing director who was like, "I think we can push the ads up another five minutes." Yeah, then, then you should feel bad. I saw an ad actually before the film for a film that comes out next year. Which one? As in, like it's it had 2021 at the end. Which film? Uh, Rumble. It was some like oh, I, monster, yeah. it, monster it wrestling was, film. It was slightly interesting to see all like the adverts aimed at children. Yeah, but did you did you see this advert? I saw it for Rumble. Yeah, wrestling. In at the end of the ad, it was like twenty twenty one. I've never seen a film a trailer that early. Yeah, right. Weird. I don't know. That's really really mm. odd. Um, yeah, expected February fifth, twenty twenty. Literally a whole year ahead of time, and they're showing an advert for it. A kid's gonna remember in a year's time. I'd like. Where Surely they, they have like out? a whole cohort of audience who have not yet become cognizant enough to be, look forward to a movie. Who by twenty twenty one will be able to like, enjoy it? We're not even gonna exist in twenty twenty one. Like the yeah, planet Earth's gonna be gone at that mm. point. Is oh, are they just hedging their bets and be like, it's got Will Arnett in it? It's fucking all the kids weird. love him. <laughs> the kids love him. He's Batman. He's Lego Batman. Uh-huh. Um, um, so what, what stood out for you about? Okay, that? so a couple bit. So the other big thing that we have to talk about is: yeah. Did Eggman <laughs> do or fail or decline to prevent nine eleven? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Eggman in this film, he's like a government agent. He's um, the government are like he's our best genius. He's crazy, but you know he's a genius. And he's he crazy, but he gets the at, job yeah. done. He he's the best at what he does, and what he does is oh, you won't don't want to hear about it. It's yeah, not very well, nice no. at all. 
you do hear about it though because what <laughs> one of the things he does is he stops the uprising of a new country in, yeah. in order for, so, for the United States government. They, so they, they what, say, what's the name of the country? They they're like um, uh, they say Azerbaijanistan, which I did not Azerbaij- appreciate that joke. Uh, yeah, Azerbaijan, uh, whatever, and they're like, I've never even heard of that country. Azerbaijan's a real country. And I don't, I don't think it's specifically Azerbaijanistan. I don't know. But they, um, they say they say Azerbaijanistan, which I think is okay. just Americans being like funny country name. But like okay. Azerbaijan's a real country, mate. Yeah, but they, anyway. they're, they're like, oh, I've never heard of that country. Like you wouldn't have done. We stopped an uprising yeah. thanks to Doctor. And, and he also like, apparently defeated fuck? a coup in Pakistan. So he yeah. he's like a. A government like political operator who like defeats uh, like mili- militias and I assume kind of topples or supports governments. I'm so, surprised the Sonic the Hedgehog movie got this political about what what the United States does they in get, world affairs. They got really specific. They got like like they actually called out the United States governments of like stopping like other countries from doing stuff. That was but, that was not what I was expecting going into this film. Yeah. Also, <laughs> shout out to Salty in the uh, in the briefing room. He's one of the super army generals. Who's that? He plays Saltai in. I'll look up the actor name, but he played uh, Saltai in Battlestar Galactica. Oh wow! Uh, okay. And his name is played by. <laughs> I can't. Uh, who was he played by? Um... Some guy. I didn't recognize it. But that's that that's called Wiki doesn't say who who he's played by. Michael wow. Hogan. Okay. Shout great. out to Michael Hogan in, for, in the, briefing in the room. Sonic movie. He's gone my, from Battle my Star boy Galactica Salty to Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, did Eggman? Um, first of all, did nine eleven happen in his yeah, universe? Yeah, but you pointed this out to me. So I said, did Eggman do nine eleven? And you said to me, we don't know that nine eleven happened in the Sonic world. No, because it's so, definitely a different, like different version of our universe. So he could have, he could maybe he stopped it, but because Eggman, we know he's like a political operator. He's got his super secret army of robots. Uh, yep. I'll be first of all, if nine eleven did happen, he would definitely have had the opportunity to stop it, right? I mean, it happened so fast, people weren't necessarily expecting it, so mm. maybe not. I, I but think also mm, maybe I, I think he would have had an inkling. I, I think, think he, he it, okay. Eggman could have taken down um, Al Qaeda. What already. Bin Laden? He could have just he could have done Laden. it. He could have done it. You know, that, that's that's something that he could have done already. So I guess he, he was definitely on like a black site in Iraq for a while. Exactly. Yeah. So there was definitely a chance that he could have stopped nine eleven at this point. Yeah, but we don't. I think it's a good point. We don't know if it happened. They never go to New York. They go to a lot of locations in this movie. Uh, most of them filled out in the five-minute sequence at the end. But they, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> one building. They, they in never San go Francisco. to New York, so we never we never see whether the twin towers are still standing. Exactly. No, I I look forward to the sequel where Sonic goes to New York and and they go they they show the twin towers and you're like, oh, All that right. didn't happen. But here. wouldn't. It would be le- legitimately good if they did that, and they never commented on it. Just a shot of New York and the Twin Towers in the background, and you just figure out like the the context is Eggman That's environmental 9/11. storytelling. Imagine if in this universe the villain stops nine eleven. What would you do then? What would you? How would you even like? Sonic must cause nine eleven. He has to back into these towers. Um, there's other moments of politics in this as well with, with the drones which Eggman uses uh, Sonic defeats them they, they've got guns for them and then yells to the camera could you believe Amazon was going to deliver <laughs> packages with these things well, I couldn't work out there is product placement in this movie they heavily there placed is. the Olive Garden yeah they did twice in that uh, film and also two, some, two some... of the Olive Garden I think the shoe the Puma like 
um, dropped out. I think they dropped their ad deal with Puma. Yeah, because their shoes so, are just normal Sonic shoes. Yeah, so he's never like, look at my good shoes. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, but, there is a couple hey, of was, was that an I don't think for Amazon, I don't though? think so because it was it seemed negative towards Amazon. Like, okay. Can you believe Amazon were going to deliver packages with these things? Doesn't seem like that's not the slant that Amazon would want for its delivery. Like, oh yeah, we were going to use a, use murder bots to deliver packages. <laughs> that's not an ad anyone needs. So I don't know. Um, I think it's I, I I think that this was a movie which for some reason was not afraid to get a little bit political. <laughs> Uh, which is not what I was expecting at all. Um, I enjoyed. Oh, could we just Jim Carrey stole the stole this movie? Yeah, Jim Carrey's performance is like my favorite part. I wish he just had kind of more. There are definitely bits where he just seems to be kind of going wild and improvising, and that's very good. Yeah, we got to see actual Jim Carrey, which hasn't been like my girlfriend said on the way home. She said, "I'm just happy that a new generation has a Jim Carrey character." Like so, we had like um, we had like Ace Ventura, and then and then liar the liar that guy liar yeah. liar. The, 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 so each generation, each like ten years, there's like a new version of a Jim mm. Carrey character, and this is this one, and I think that's quite that's quite exciting. Yeah, I really like Jim. Do, do you know Jim Carrey is a good comrade? Is he? Yeah, he um, it was a great moment on Twitter. He is like, I like to paint photos and uh, paint paint pictures, and I painted this lovely picture of Mussolini being hanged. This is what fascists get. And then <laughs> Mussolini's granddaughter replied on Twitter, "You are a bastard." <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go bring up Jim Carrey now because I'm gonna follow him. Uh, that sounds great. Uh, and he also it's... on Twitter calls the US out for its war crimes as well. That's he's, fantastic. He's, he's pretty cool. Jim Carrey. Uh, leads to actually a number of things in this film which I just wasn't expecting. There's a number of jokes which come out of left field where you're like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that. Uh, one of those is where he says, look what came out of my eggs. Yeah, that was good. Um, my favourite two Jim Carrey lines are um, rub that in my orphan face, why don't you? Yes! So good! <laughs> I was not expecting that. You're like, oh shit! Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed him becoming Eggman because his robots look like eggs. Yeah. Um, and that, my other favourite, like, underrated line is um, he's, like, trying to gain access to the hero's house, right? The, the main character is, like, a, a rural policeman uh, in Montana, and he's got Sonic in his house, and Jim Carrey's like, I want to come in, and I'm from the electric board. And he's yeah. like, oh, well, if you're from the electric board, you must know my friend Spencer. And he's, um, and Jim Carrey's like, oh, yes, uh, ah, Spence. And he just kind of <laughs> gives a look to the, like, <laughs> come on. So great. Uh, I enjoyed Ben Schwartz's voice acting as Sonic. I think he did some, I think... Yeah, Ben Schwartz S- is cool. Sonic in this film it would very easily be annoying and i never found him to be annoying i th- i thought he was he w- had the right balance between um overly chattily young sort of like sonic chatty. is meant to be like a child in this movie like a teenager yeah he's he's certainly it's not he's not been on earth too long he's been on there like what like 10 years or something he's like he's definitely like a young teen uh, as opposed to the adult which he is in, in most of the games so that was fun to see a depressing bit of a depressing backstory to him <laughs> Yeah, what did you think of... I thought the intro was very, like, um, pacey. Yeah, the intro, I wish we'd saw more of Green Hill Zone. So Sonic um, lives on, like, a planet, his own planet, Sonic planet, but looks like a Sonic game. And he's a kid. Uh, his backstory is, like, he's, he was a kid. He was protected by this owl yeah. called Longclaw. I don't know who that is. None of the, By the way, it's, none of this is in the comics or games or anything. This is exclusive so this to this is, film. Yeah, so... And within two minutes, this character introduced and dies. Yeah. Uh, so as... the, the in- intro is very like 
um, you know, very fast because it's like I was a kid. My mum owl called Longclaw, <laughs> like protecting me, and then he was he's out running, and then the owl was like Sonic. You've been born with a great power, implying that Sonic is like a freak, right? He's a yeah, one of a th- kind. That's not something which people can just do on that planet. This is, um, this is something that Sonic specifically can do. Sonic, you've been born with a great power. As long as you use it, people will try to steal it. And he's like, oh, that won't happen. And instantly it happens. <laughs> it, they get attacked by some creatures. Uh, echidnas, I think they are. They look, like, they look like knuckles. Wearing masks. And yeah. Longclaw has a hero. And rings in this film transport you between planets. That's kind of true of the Sonic games, where you you can teleport through giant rings. So it's they just not didn't have the co- graphics to uh, to show it. Well, the rings you in Sonic, okay, in in the Sonic games, uh, okay. certainly go back to the original games. There's two kind of rings. There's the regular rings which you catch, which you pick up, and they, they give you they basically your life. If you if you get hit, you drop your rings. You get hit again, you die. But you can collect them up, and, and you're fine again. Uh, then there's these giant rings which teleport you to different like special zones, uh, which then you can go to collect the Chaos Emeralds. Mm. So the, well, the the idea of like having giant rings that teleport you between places is that's definitely in the games. Well, anyway, Longclaw the owl throws him for a ring and is like, and has a heroic sacrifice moment, and then goodbye. We don't see her die though, do we? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Sonic never ruminates on this. He never has a moment. You'd think that would come up like at the end of a film where he's like, I want to make my mum proud. Yeah. I but think he no. mentions Longclaw at some point. Does or he? he just goes, oh, Longclaw he does. said I... And he does, and the, the main character, the, the human characters never like, who's Longclaw? Mm. you got to imagine that they just talked about that off screen. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. um, I sort of wish we'd had more. I, I, I'm wonder- Okay, on one hand, I enjoyed the film we got. I quite like seeing Sonic in the human world. It makes sense to like the, the, the later games, because he tends to be in the human world. On the other hand... I'm wondering what a whole animated film like the opening would have been like, because that that well, opening maybe, was really we'll cool. Get it. You know, I, I really enjoyed that opening. I thought it was really cool. Like, look of his mm-hmm. world. If the whole film had been like that, it would have been pretty good as well. I think. Like the yeah. budget for this film was the same as Into the Spider Verse, so there's no way yeah. they, they could have done a full animated film. Um, I don't know. It's I I, I thought it was an interesting interesting way to open the film. Uh, what what do you think of the biker slash cowboy bar? <laughs> so stupid. Also, they rip, they fucking ripped off Days of Future Past. Yeah, with the, with the Quicksilver thing. Yeah, fucking I'm pretty sure it. an Avengers film also ripped that off. Yeah, I th- I think anytime you have like super speed, that's something that you can just do. Well, right? like- specifically, a character has super speed, and then there's like a f- pause where like they're moving, but everyone else is like paused. Uh, or like going very slowly, and then a song plays. Yeah, and yeah, they, that's, and that's that, true. That was from Days of Future Past. It was good when Days of Future Past did it. It was less good when the next X Men film also decided to do it, and it's less good every time another film does it. Yeah, I think the first time they did it in this film it was a bit like, meh, okay, I enjoyed that scene, but it was a bit like, okay, fine. Uh, the second time they did it with the rockets, I thought worked a lot better. I enjoyed that bit with the rockets, especially when mm. Eggman's ship then speeds mm-hmm. up and catches up to him while he's doing this. I thought that was quite cool. Like I think it was it was used to show that to show that Eggman sh- ship was using his power to get that speed. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense, but who mm-hmm. cares? It's a it's a video game film. Um Yeah, so I, I, I like think- got to see a happy marriage on screen. Yeah, that was good. That was nice. I thought I thought the main I thought the main male white cop character was maybe the worst bit because he's just completely forgettable. James Marsden? <clears throat> maybe. I think. No, James Marsden was um, 
the main What's character. What's his name? He was Spike on... Um... Wait, is that his character name? No, James Marsden. No, that's that's the actor who played... Oh, who am I thinking of? Who played Spike on Buffy? Spike, um... Buffy. I think it might be another James... Um, it might be Spike the same Played one. by uh, James Masters. Oh, okay. Okay. Person. okay. <laughs> you see, you see my confusion. This is why actors aren't allowed the same names. Mm. Like racehorses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was the most forgettable part of the film. Like it, it could have, they could have replaced yeah. him with any other actor, and it would have been he, the same. He just kind of wants to prove himself. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> like you could, I don't think you could have this film without Jim Carrey as Robotnik. Like, no, if another, if not. another actor had done that thing, it wouldn't be nearly as engaging. Whereas with this, with with his character, the the cop, um, any white male with brown hair could have played that role. Yeah, he <laughs> did a fine to, job though. He, he was fine. Yeah, he 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 was believably talking to Sonic. He he's no Jason Segel in the Muppets. Ex- yeah, definitely not. Oh, I want to see this film with Jason Segel. No, even though he's kind of like forty something now. Yeah, Go how about be it. good though? Because he's just like a forty something family man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that that that's more believable as a guy like a cop in a small town as opposed to this guy who was super ripped and ate donuts all day, but was still he's got like... nothing to do but work out in the evenings though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and eat donuts. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that was the only part where I was like, Meh, I'll take him or leave him. But mm-hmm. the rest of the film, no, I liked it. I thought it was it was snappy. You didn't was... want to have like a harrowing scene where he becomes a San Francisco cop and has a man die in his arms. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, ah, <laughs> I, I wish I was still in Green Hills. This isn't what I wanted after all. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? So you said it was fine. What? What didn't you like about it? Oh, I just, um, I didn't want any elements that I specifically didn't like. I don't think nothing I took particular exception to. I just thought maybe it's just um, not seeing it with such an animated audience. I just thought it was fine. There were some fun bits. I was fairly entertained watching it. But I also it didn't kind of wow me. I didn't get a that's fair. A, yeah, but a that's big still kind of, way uh, better than we expected it to be. Yeah, true. <laughs> it was not. Well, I'm kind of slightly disappointed we did not have like the horror experience of watching the awful kind of. Um, oh yeah, the the he was horrible. Sorry. I hope if they put that out as a Blu-ray extra, I will. Um, <laughs> or at well, least that... like the scenes. Uh, they probably don't have the whole movie with that in. But like, um, they must have some scenes. Though, yeah, right? if, if they at least put out the scenes that they did. Yeah. I like some of the references to like the games and also to to Sonic culture as a whole. Uh, Crazy Carl, who is const- is trying to capture Sonic, who's the only one who realizes he exists for some of the film. Um, he draws a picture of Sonic for everyone to like show what he looks like, and it's the meme Sonic. Yeah, you, you ever seen that Sonic meme where yeah, it just looks really I've bad? That's this. That's the picture. I, I really liked that. Um, I liked that this film was like aware enough about Sonic culture to include that sort of stuff in. Um, no, fun. I, I enjoyed it. I uh, did you see the the sequel bait at the end? Yeah, they are angling for a sequel. Tails so you, appears. Tails oh, appears. I, I liked the Robotnik scene when he's on. He gets banished to a mushroom planet. Yeah, and he's like, I'll be off of here by Christmas. That was cool. That was, that a was good cool. Scene. It was cool seeing him bold. His his mustache had like extended out and gone ginger because of the mushrooms, presumably. And also, he had a bit of a belly at that point. So I'm looking forward to the sequel where yeah. he looks full Robotnik. Yeah, that's, that would that's be good. exciting. Uh, I love that Jim Carrey's up for that. Like, you wouldn't put that in if Jim Carrey wasn't, like, already on board for a second mm. film, right? Yeah, that'd be really good. Uh, I also liked, um, basically, any scene where Jim Carrey's on his own. You know, he, when he's on his own inside his, like, tech truck, 
and that dance scene going mad yeah that dance scene is amazing like that's that's maybe one of my favorite I can only imagine if let Jim Carrey go wild yeah uh, the, with with the skiing and just like his uh, and him screaming. Of course, I want a latte. I love the way you make it. Yeah, his yes. assistant. Is he has just... his kind of like his, his assistant's not bumbling. His assistant's just like normal. But Jim yeah. Carrey keeps insulting him. Uh, but yes, that's a very good line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's it's full of good lines. Um, but, my uh, yeah, my um, I want to see also on Blu-ray extras Jim Carrey's like outtakes. Yes, I bet that's good. Um. I, I'm up for a sequel. I enjoy. I really enjoyed seeing Tails at the end of this film. Uh, I don't know why. Like, I like Sonic. I like Sonic as a as a game series. I even like the bad games to some capacity. I'm aware how shit it can be, but for some reason, seeing people excited about Sonic like really got me going. Like, I, I, that that made me feel good. Uh, I think uh, Sonic is maybe one of the first games I remember ever playing, and so it does have a little bit of a special place in my heart. So I'm a little bit biased going into this. I'm just really glad that it seems to be good it's not great like it's not like the best film ever made but it's like serviceable and good which is more than you can say for a lot of better it has any right to be exactly yeah that's why that's what i felt about solo uh that's what i feel about this it's certainly like on the upper level of video game films you've got detective pikachu you've got warcraft although no one agrees with that (laughs) and you've got this and i think that's like a pretty good place for it to be where do you go with a cop do you include in the sequel the the cop character and his wife I don't do know. You... See, that's what I that's what I don't know. Like, I'm not sure where this film goes next because obviously you have to. It's his best friend, right? I think with Tails showing up, and clearly Tails needs something. Like, oh, I found him. Like, there's something that Tails needs. I think you go back to the Green Hill Zone. You planet. could do humans in the Sonic world. Would they become 3D? <laughs> oh, we don't know. <laughs> How does that work? Like, I think it's way easier to show a 3D character in the real world. Yeah. Then it's to the other way around. Otherwise, you get a Space Jam type thing. That's true. I'm not sure I want a Space Jam type thing here. The sequel, Sonic becomes best friends of Tails, and then Tom, the cop, is feeling left out. And they they get a moment where they're like, oh, well, clearly you don't need me anymore. And Sonic's like, I've got to save my home planet. And Tom's like, whatever. And then you get the reverse thing. Of like mm. friendship, uh, am robotic then shows up and does some stuff. Or am I a Sonic? Yeah, there you go. You get that <laughs> whole thing. Um, oh yeah, I'm not sure where they go from this. I think they oh, lean Muppets more. 2011 was good. I think they lean more into the actual Sonic stuff as opposed to real world stuff in the sequel. Is what is what I would do with it if it gets a sequel. Yeah, I'm presuming. Maybe, yeah, it will. we don't know how it's going to do. I'm hoping it does well. I mean, it's a kids' film, so it probably will do better than like Birds of Prey is doing at the moment. I thought about going to see Birds of Prey right after Sonic, but I the, the times didn't quite match up. Looks good. Uh, apparently, it's doing really bad at box office. Yeah, well, they've renamed it, haven't they, to like yeah. get more, make it's it a- more a search engine friendly. Apparently, it was called Birds of Prey or the something something and something the of Harley Quinn. of one like, Harley Quinn. Like it, it wanted to be like funny and artsy and things, but then no one went to see it, so they've just changed it to Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn Birds colon of Birds of Prey. In case someone's googling Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, and it's not bringing up Birds of Prey for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this so, I know we're we're still talking about films, but we're going to move away from Sonic now. We've still got a Mario movie coming, not this year, but soon. I did think because they talk a lot about the Mushroom Planet in this movie. And <laughs> I did think, is that a reference to Mario? I don't think so. Uh, there's definitely a Mushroom Land in Sonic Three and Knuckles. Uh, so I don't know. Mm. I don't know if that's what okay. they're going with. But um, what does? 
I was thinking about this on the way home. So this this Sonic movie is transition Sonic sort of film pretty well. Like it felt like a Sonic film. It didn't feel like a film and Sonic was also here. Like as a Sonic fan, I think they got the tone of Sonic down quite well. But Sonic is quite chatty, and so it's very easy to do that. There's an there's an animated Mario movie coming from Illumination Studios. I think it's coming next year or the year after. What does that look like? Because Mario is not really a talker. So how do you make a movie around Mario? I, I don't think we've properly discussed this. And well, I've got no, I Sonic don't movie, know. I, I don't I know what that looks it. like. I, I, I was thinking about this on the way home. Do you have Mario talk with his Charles Martinet yeah, voice? This, this is honestly something that I'm like dumbfounded by. Like, yeah. I, I literally do not know how you do it. Like I, I was thinking about this. Like you have, you have, you have a few options, right? You either have Mario talking all the way through it, and you have to. I mean, you, all of these options, you have to keep his voice. Right, you can't have a someone not Charles Martinet doing Mario's voice because I know it's a different medium, but that voice is so linked with Mario from people who play Mario Kart, Mario Party, any of the Mario games. He has always had that voice, so you can't do a film where he's not doesn't sound like that. Um, as opposed to Sonic, who has had many different voice actors, I don't think anyone's like specifically needs Sonic to have a particular voice as long as it sounds Sonic-ish. Whereas Mario. They need that voice. But then having that voice actor and Mario speaking in full sentences, like, oh, we need to go save Princess Peach and, and yeah. save the Mushroom That'd Kingdom, weird. would just be weird, right? Mm. So what do you do? I can see Luigi talking more. Like, Luigi is a bit more of a talker in the games, and Luigi's mansion showing that Luigi can talk. He sounds a bit more down to earth. But <laughs> Mario, I don't think whole he can do it better him. than the original Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> Where he's in Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, Luigi, <laughs> I'm walking here. <laughs> I don't. I don't. No. No. I. I don't All know I know what is they do. in the post-credits teaser, Mario looks down and he finds a single blue spine. <laughs> <laughs> we get a Mario Sonic crossover film. Yeah, it could. It could legit happen. It could happen. I could. I could see that. Oh, what, okay. One more thing going back from the Sonic, the Sonic thing, the Sega logo at the start. Mm-hmm. That was magical for me, especially when it went that the, like it went had the had the Sega theme like do do, and you're like, mm. oh man, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, but Mario, Ma- Mar- Mario movie genuinely dumbfounds me. I have no idea how you go about translating that into a movie. I don't know what plot you do. Do you had you just see Princess Peach captured by Bowser and he's got to go on an adventure to save her? Mm. Who talks got, in this I've film? Got no idea. Do they do a Wally type thing where he only speaks in like small phrases? And the rest of it's like just slapstick action. Do you do a Lego movie type thing where it's about someone's love of Mario? Oh shit, that could work. I don't know. I I think with a Mario movie, they're probably gonna want to focus it on Mario. I don't. I ah, it's it's. I don't know. Uh, Mario Rabbids. All I know is that <laughs> there's a joke where they'll go 2D for a bit. Yeah, definitely. Oh, 100 uh, percent. Anyway. Yeah, Mario Rabbids is a game with a lot of dialogue in it. And granted, it's, it's like text dialogue, but even in that game, Mario's not the one with text dialogue. So Mario's yeah, and in if it. If you think like the Paper Mario games as well. Yeah, he doesn't have any text dialogue for him, but other characters do. Like in that game, a little robot speaks for him. Like a, a new robot that's never existed before is the one with the dialogue while Mario follows it around. So clearly, like the games are aware that we can't give Mario a lot of chats or we can't give Mario a lot of like sentences because it wouldn't make sense and no one wants Mario to have those. No one cares what Mario's internal monologue is. And so 
I don't, I don't know what they do for a film. Do they side? Do they sideline Mario? If I knew, I'd be picking up a big paycheck right now. Do they make it about Peach? Peach could talk in full sentences. I still don't like her voice, but she's done it before. Oh, do do they do Toads? Do they have Toad with his horrible, obnoxious voice speaking all the way through? Oh, that'd be good—a Toad movie. Yeah. Yes, give me that Toads. Um. Yeah, I don't know what this looks like, and I don't even know what I'm hoping for. That's a film where I'm like, I have no <coughs> idea what it can be. And that's kind of exciting, but also worrying. Like, I'm sure they'll get it right. I don't know. Mate, I- I'm not sure they'll get it right. I mean, Illumination make the Minions movies, and in the Minion, the Minions... Is don't... that doing it right? <laughs> They're pretty good. Despicable Me 1 okay. and 2, and actual Minions is also good. Minions has taken on a life of its own outside of the movies, which is really annoying. But the films themselves, perfectly good. Um, but the minions don't speak in English. They just speak in gibberish. So maybe that's where they go with Mario. <laughs> I don't know. Does he talk in Animal Crossing animalese? Oh, the movie's text boxes. Why not? They did it for Works of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> just have him speak in some sort of uh. Nintendo language and like, oh, no, 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 no. and you just, you just see the, the language, the text on the bottom. I don't know. Uh, well, I guess we'll see. How have you? <laughs> how have you been, Scott? 30, Thirty-six <laughs> minutes of the podcast. Well, we had how important stuff to talk about. We did. Yeah, I've been good. Um, I'm more relaxed now than I was two weeks ago. Good, definitely. Uh, because I had a, that big deadline in January, and I've got a, I've got to appear before a review panel at the end of February about that work. That's normal. That happens to that. Everyone has to do that on the PhD. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of in the in-between zone now where I've got a bit of work to do, but not that much work to do. And I'm sort of uh, taking it a bit more easy. I'm striking. There's going to be a strike, a university and college union strike. Uh, Wait, so you're striking at the university that you I'm, go to education I'm not striking for. right now, but yes. But I, so I'm, as in addition to being a PhD student, I am a member of staff at the university because oh, I okay. work as a graduate teaching assistant. I thought uh, you were just so, like, I will not go to class. <laughs> I no, will not um, go to class. Although you shouldn't during the strike. Uh, well, but, no teachers would be there. Well, yeah. So, but yes, the, the University and College Union, of which I am a member, uh, has called strike action over um, pensions, pay, and working conditions disagreements. And KCL has uh, balloted to strike for the pension uh, dispute. Oh, nice. Well, good. Good for so them. I will be striking. I'll be on the picket line. These bloody not, teachers! What a more money! All they're doing is raising our kids for us. Uh huh. Exactly. So I will. Uh, yeah, that, that's fun. So. I'm, we're coordinating strike action right now. That will be um, interesting and hopefully effective. Hopefully yeah. we'll bring the management to the negotiating table. I thought you were going to say to their knees. Well, we'll bring management well. to their <laughs> knees. <laughs> we'll sacrifice one management member for every pension we don't get. <laughs> well, that sounds good. Uh, have you been using your free time wisely? Have you been playing anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have been playing. So I've uh, been playing. I my Dark Souls journey continues. I'm what? over halfway through Dark Souls. Now. Oh, really? Where are you yeah. up to? Uh, so I'm, I've just done Anolondo, which oh, is you, you I, finished I, it. No, I, I've been told Anolondo is the halfway point of the game. Okay, so you've reached Anolondo. No, no, I've 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 defeated um, Dragon Slayer Sigmund and. Executioner Schmo, those two bosses. Ah, oh, I never. I, that's that's where I stopped playing. Oh, is it? Yeah, I never was okay. able to defeat them. You did never you, got you, past, did it, okay. you did it with someone else, though, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I played it on my own and I just got too frustrated with it. I think fighting two people at once was like my limit with, Jack, with yeah. Dark Souls. Um, so that's good. So I'm, I've just done Anolondo and now I've got to go get the Lord Souls. I guess uh, that, the game's opening up. That sounds good. Are you enjoying it still? Yeah, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying playing my friend well. Um, I'm enjoying, um, yeah, playing with people. Um, and I, I've got invaded. Anolondo is a place where you go to get invaded. I got invaded loads in Anolondo. Oh, really? Yeah. How did that feel? Uh, that, it was annoying to happen, <laughs> but and tense and a bit scary. But also, I appreciate the game mechanic. Yeah, play. I think that's fair. I once got invaded by someone who then just gave me a really good weapon and left. Yeah, that, that happens good, sometimes. Which was nice. And I used that weapon for like a good mm. like third of the game yeah. before I stopped. I, I like the idea that in order to like... So to, to in Dark Souls, to get helped from the players, you have to become human. You have to offer humanity at the bonfire. But that also opens you up to getting invaded. So you've got yeah. the risk reward yeah. of that. And also the game kind of is designed to make you... Like to encourage you to invade other players and make you this hungry like humanity bandit. <laughs> humanity bandit is the name of my band. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I played a little bit of um a For the King, that game I was playing back when we started this podcast, like a year and a half ago. I can't um, remember. Tell me about good. tell me what it is again. It's good. <laughs> it's a turn based strategy game. It's like a has roguelike kind of thing where you do one run at a time and you probably won't win win every run. Uh but it's oh, yeah, sort okay. of um you know, it's a fantasy kingdom. Darkness is spreading. You've got to go out and fight the darkness. It's kind of like, I compare it to kind of FTL and its gameplay arc in the sense that you want to go out and level up to f- defeat like the bosses and stuff. But also there's a mechanic where like over time darkness is spreading and like evil will get more strong. So you need to balance like going out and exploring and getting like equipment and experience with you've got to go and like defeat the threat because right. otherwise it will just kind of overwhelm you. Okay, I get you. That sounds good. It's good. I would recommend. And that's, yeah. That's, so no, um, I was going to say no new games, but then no real new games are coming yeah, out. Yeah, no still. new games have come out. So I've, I've, I've just been playing. In. I'm getting closer to completing a video game. <laughs> I'm still working on my fan fiction. I've got to do it before you do. Uh, I've been playing. Uh, <laughs> do you ever play Gold? Do you ever watch Golden Balls? That that uh, no. that that game show. So there's a it's a game show, Golden Balls. You have to get collect some money over the course of the game. But at the end, it's you and another person, and you've got your collection of money. You've got to choose with the other person who you don't know, who's like a stranger, whether to split the money or you can choose to steal it. And if you steal, oh, so it, it's a prisoner's dilemma. Exactly. Yeah. If you steal it, you get the money. If the other person steals it and you steal it, you both get nothing. If you split it, you both get half. And there's a game that released, an indie game that released this uh, past month called In Split Golden or... Balls, do you get a chance to like talk to them first? Yeah, yeah, you're talking to Which each other. Them? You've got two minutes or something to talk to each other. Uh, Split or Steel is a game that came out on Steam in the past couple of weeks, which is that, basically. So you, you collect fake money, you go up a number of tiers, and you've got to... You, the game whole game is basically you trying to split or steal this money with other players uh, as you go up. So you, you have a run of 10 tiers. Start tier one with a very little amount of money. The other person's on tier one as well. And then as you succeed with the money, you go up a tier, up to tier 10. Um, you can see the other players. So when you split, you get good karma. And when you steal, you get bad karma. And so you can see the other player, like what sort of standing they're in. So you can work out whether they're trustworthy or not. Um, and you, the idea is to get as much money as possible so you can like build up your base and then like increase your character's 
look and like base and things, which then have effects on the amount of money that you gain from splitting or stealing. It's like a it's a fun little loop there, but it's like a social thing. So you're you're talking to real players and trying to decide whether you're going to split or steal with them. And like the players have like different looks. So like some people could dress as dressed as a hot dog. Uh, one person I went up against was dressed as the Grim Reaper, and they were like, "I'm totally going to split." And I was like. I don't believe you. You're the Grim Reaper. <laughs> that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem true. Um, and it's a game based around that. Basically, it's interesting. I'm not sure if it's fun because it's like a lot of certainly in the earlier levels, people just immediately lock in split because there's no point in stealing in like the lower tiers. Like it's not worth it. You don't get the money. It's just going to affect negatively affect you in the long run. But then as you get higher up, uh, when you reach tier eight to ten, you no longer see any stats about the other player. You still talk to each other, but you can't see their name, you can't see their stats, you can't see anything. And so it becomes a bit more... I wish the game was just that. Like, when you get to the higher tiers, that's when it gets fun and interesting because you're trying to convince this person that you're going to split and they're trying to convince you that they're going to split and then you might, they might steal still, or you might steal, you know. So it's, it's interesting, but I think it's got a little, a little ways to go while it, while it works out how to make that all work. Mm. Because the early stages okay, are boring. That's interesting. It's there's um, it's there's an play. American version of that game show, and I, I should I should try and find a clip because there is a clip where a guy kind of came on and he kind of broke the game in that there the two of the contestants were up there and one guy was just like, "I'm going to steal." Oh, that's English. I'm I watched I watched that clip. It's, it's that's Golden Balls. That's that's okay, a, it's it's an English clip. Please. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, "Should I explain it for the listeners?" Yeah, go go for it. He's like, "I'm going to steal." Like, if you like choose to split. I will give you a quarter of a pot that I win, or something like that. And the other guy was like, "But like, I, we should have half. We should split." And he's like, "Look, I'm going to steal. You can either have nothing. You can either steal as well, and we'll get nothing, or you can split, and I'll give you a quarter. That's your choice." Yeah. And then and it's it's like a back yeah. and forth between them, isn't it? And then eventually the guy decides, "Fuck it. You know, I'm either going to lose everything or or get something. So I might as well yeah. split." But then they both end up splitting. Like okay. it's, it's just it's just his way of like convincing him to split yeah. so that he can definitely guarantee that okay. he gets away with it. It's good. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's not a true prisoner's dilemma because they don't they get to talk to each other first. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but there you go. Neat game. Uh, the other game I've been playing is Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Oh, is it good? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's 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 very slow at the start. So this Digimon is, game... is like my a franchise I always wanted to be good. I was into Digimon as a kid. Yeah, big into Digimon as a kid. Uh, Digimon nowadays is aimed more at people who grew up with Digimon than it is at kids. So like, it's much more of a niche. It's it's not going the Pokemon route. Like Digimon stuff now is actually a bit more adult. There's someone in this in this game who insinuates that she takes parts in orgies. For example, okay, like that's the sort of like with humans or Digimon, uh, humans. She's like a villainous character, and she accuses like okay. uh, this her a female psychic of like having a boy. She's oh, you're hiding a boy in that room back there. She's like, no, I'm not. It's like, don't worry, you're allowed to have boys or girls. Uh, you could you can have a number of boys in there if you want. In fact, when I was younger, well, and then the, the sentence stops. <laughs> you're like, oh right, okay, shit. She's on about orgies, uh, gangbangs, and stuff. Um. It's uh, it's fun. It's it's clearly a so Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth is a game that was released in 2015 for the PlayStation Vita, and it's a Pokemon-like game where you have a team of Digimon that you collect up and you take part in turn-based battles with other other Digimon. You know, just just like Pokemon. What what makes this one sets it apart is one, it's a bit like uh, Shin Megami Tensei 
or persona probably a bit more like persona actually in that like there's some there's some real world stuff that you go and take part in like you, you take part in tokyo and it's got a bit more of like a realistic side to it it's not all just monster battles you, you're also doing some detective stuff and it's yeah it's 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 fun it's good seeing digimon in the, in this way you like you get to digivolve your digimon and then de-digivolve them to increase their stats there's a lot of like back and forth of like increasing a digimon and lowering them and then stuff like that just like in the in the show was digimon are fun in that they're not static they don't just have a, a linear progression from being worse to better but they actually like go all over the place it's like a squiggly line of like where digimon should go in order to become the best that they can be it's it's interesting it's very slow at the start but the story's getting to a place now where i'm like sort of into it um I'm only really playing it because there's nothing else to play. And once something else comes across, across, along, I could see myself dropping this because it's fun, but it is a big old RPG. I'm playing it on PC and I sort of wish I was playing it on Switch. <laughs> I, I, I think if it was on Switch, I'd be playing it a lot more. I've played about, I've played about eight hours of it over the past week, but I think if it was on Switch... It is, it is on Switch, but if I had it on Switch, I'd be playing it a lot more. So I'm playing like the first bunch and then there's a second game called Hacker's Memory which I'm probably going to pick up on Switch when I finish this one to then play it there. That could be my like my portable Pokemon like game for this year. And it's it's good. And that's that's my that's my Digimon stuff. Do you have any questions about it? No, not really. Look, it's like fuck all was out at this time of year. It wasn't like it wasn't like this last year though. Yeah, I don't really know when we can expect when's the next big game release? Is it Animal Crossing? It's March, it's like Animal Crossing or something. Sad. Uh, Doom's in March as well. I mean Final Fantasy fourteen has a patch next week which gives me some new content for it, so that'll be fun, but still it's like there's some games out where I'm I'm sort of interested in them, but not to a point where I'm like, Oh, I need to be playing that, you know? Like whereas last year there's a bunch of stuff where I was like, I need to be playing this right now. But right now it's just a bit I don't know, a bit dead. I've also been reading Yu-Gi-Oh, the manga. Oh, how um, is it? Did you know that the the anime is nothing like the manga, or rather, vice versa? No, anime, manga came first. Um, the anime is obviously all about jewel cards and stuff, but I'm like a bit of the way into the manga, and that's not even come up once. They don't do dueling. So, in so the what's manga. it about? It's about a boy called Yugi, yeah, who um, puts together a puzzle. Like an old Egyptian puzzle, which he then wears around his neck. Just like the anime, okay? So far, so mm-hmm. so similar. Um, but what this puzzle does is it, in times of distress, it turns him, or gives him the spirit of this ancient pharaoh, who then plays something called the Shadow Games with the person who is causing him distress. And what the Shadow Games are, is it's always like a game applicable to that person that then challenges them in a way that, like, that, like, like the... Like their sin, basically. So oh, here's a game based around your sin that you're you're showing. So someone could be like obsessed with money. So it's like a game of chance where if you win, you get all this money. If you lose, you'll be trapped in it or something. And um, they always lose the shadow game and then like end up receiving some like horrible punishments. So one person ends up then hallucinating money all around them for the rest of their life. Like they're just stuck hallucinating money all around and they go mad because of it. Uh, one person could no longer see people. Like he just, everyone else is now a blur for him from then on for the rest of his life as well. And one person dies. He gets exploded because he lost the shadow game against Yugi. And it's like, oh, it's way darker than like the Yu-Gi-Oh series. Like, no, I don't know how <laughs> they've gone from this to uh, dual monsters. 
<laughs> like there's a Yu-Gi-Oh series where they're on motorbikes <laughs> summoning monsters towards each other. And this is just very not that. I don't know how how it's gone from that, but it's interesting. The art's not particularly great, but it's it's at least interesting and I'm probably going to keep reading it. But I just had to mention that because it was so different to what I knew the anime to be. And I was just like, "What? this is really strange. I recommend it. Give, give it a look, um, even well, if just okay. to see how batshit crazy it is. I'll, I'll read that on the train. It's on That'll the um, cool. Shonen app. Have you, are you aware of the Shonen I've app? I've not got the Shonen app, no. Shonen Jump app is pretty good. It costs like £2 a month and you can read all their manga. Okay, you just get everything. You get everything, yeah. So all okay. of Dragon Ball's on there, all of like... Uh, is Shonen um, Jump translating like day and date now? I think so. Japanese release, or is it a few months behind? I think it's day and date. Okay, cool. So all the new, all the new Dragon Ball mangas always on there straight away. My Hero Academia is all on there. Do you get the access to their archive as well? Yep, everything. Cool. Two pounds a month or three pounds a month. Mm, that's it's not bad. Really, really worth it. I mean, it's all it's all like action comics, so it's not like it's or manga yeah. rather. So it's not like um any. There's not a lot of slice of life stuff if that's what you're into. I mean, into. that is like what shonen manga is. I know so. exactly, but it's it's pretty good. I'd recommend it. Uh, and that's pretty much it for me. Do you want to? It's a quiet time of year. Yeah, not for news though. All right, we're going to the news. News. Okay, uh, let's do the news. Where do I want to start? Basically, plenty of pricks just embarrassing themselves this month. (laughs) As far as I'd I'd say. Let's start with the Netflix thing. So, Netflix has revealed the titles that it pulls from its service over government demands. Which I thought was just interesting to sort of raise because I didn't, I wasn't, I mean, obviously I was aware that governments requested these sort of things, but I wasn't aware that like different companies actually abided by those rules. So it's not nothing in like the UK or US or anything, but f- like in countries like Singapore and Saudi Arabia, the episodes are removed from them because the government don't like those episodes. So Netflix released its first environmental social governments report on Friday based on a framework from the Nonprofit Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. Um, they say in their report that they removed a total of nine different TV shows and movies since the service launch, which isn't that many, really. Uh, they said that going forward, it will, it will reveal all government takedowns demanding, demands annually. Of the nine takedown demands, five came from the government of Singapore's in- Infocom Media Development Authority, including the movies The Last Hangover, the Last Temptation of Christ, the documentary The Legend of 420, and the TV series Cooking on High and Disjointed. The Singapore request began in 2018, with the last hangover being removed just this year. In Vietnam, in 2017, Netflix removed the film Full Metal Jacket due to demand from the Vietnamese Authority of Broadcasting Electronic Information. They also removed Knights of the Living Dead in Germany due to request from the German Commissioner for Youth Protection. I just think it's kind of interesting. Like, obviously, I know that governments don't want certain things to be shown to the people, but I hadn't really seen it to this degree before. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. Um, it, it happens in a, in a lot of countries. I don't know what to say. Is this censorship. Okay? This isn't okay, right? Well, it's kind of... Um, well, what do you mean, okay? Like, this is bad, definitely. Yeah, I say it's quite. It's generally bad for uh, for governments to kind of censor media. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just surprised this is happening. I, like, it's not usually it's not the countries that I usually like usually think of when I think 
dictatorship or something. And obviously, I'm not saying these countries are definitely a dictatorship. Like, clearly, they, the government just has an agenda they don't, they don't want the people to be involved in. I mean, be like, you hear, know, Saudi Arabia is definitely a Oh, yeah, Saudi uh, Arabia is, but I didn't know Singa- Singapore was. Singapore is quite strict on censorship. Like, they're not... Um, if it is, Singapore is a democracy... Uh, but they are, you know, they've got quite strict kind of um, censorship laws, and like they're they're quite a harsh legal system. And then Vietnam and Germany, Germany, I'm yeah. a bit more surprised by. I know that Germ- they... Germany have a lot of rules around like um, like media and like violence and stuff. I know that they've got rules like, around like Nazi symbols in in stuff as well. Yeah. Like, they're very you much know, like we'd rather not in have the, those. Um, in the original Half Life, um, in Germany, all these human soldiers were replaced with robots. Really? Yeah. And I don't think you can do it anymore, but for a long time, to just enable that, you have had to change the language to German. Oh, weird. And, uh, yeah, but all, oh, they, all the human soldiers will become robots. Yeah, Germany has, like, some fairly strict laws on, um, they get, um, not just kind of Nazi symbology, but, like, about violence and stuff. I don't know why they singled out Night of the Living Dead, which, um, I assume if they mean, like, the 1968 one, I don't... I don't know why that one in particular. Yeah, got singled out. A, like, of all that films, that seems like a bit of a weird one to go. Unless with. they mean the nineteen ninety one. Was that a remake? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, so Germany can get a bit funny about um, yeah, and keep in mind, so these are. It seems like these are like requests for removal, and Netflix just kind of. Uh, we can only speculate they just kind of complied. You know, we don't know what would have happened if they'd refused. Whether kind of further. Like action that would be taken to like block their service in these countries. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose Netflix have to comply with this stuff. Like, well, I we don't know. Like, um, I guess they're, they're complying because their fear is they don't like some of these countries could just be like we're going to stop Netflix altogether. Yeah, or like we're going to restrict. But I think there's that. kind of for fear of like more strict legislation, they will like self censor. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, at least they're being open with it. Like they're not like. I think it's good that they're willing to say, "Hey, here's what your government's had to like made us do." Like, I think that's that's a well, good step. Well, for like the first time, yeah. I mean, there are like in most countries like restrictions of what you can laws, what you can put on broadcast on like television, for example. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, I guess it's not that much different to um, that. Well, it kind of depends because um, this is kind of taking stuff which is already on there and kind of removing it. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's just kind of it's the, the world's kind of internet kind of streaming and broadcast television colliding, I guess. Yeah, and trying to define what's acceptable on which. It's interesting. I'm I, I'm looking. I'll, I'll not looking for, but I'm interested to see where else this goes. Like, what else ends up getting banned? It's um, I suppose we'll see, won't we? Uh, speaking of companies, yeah, um, companies that are ahead. being public with things that they're blacklisting or banning, uh, Nintendo. Has this week, like in a, in a really interesting move, actually uh, announced that they've cut ties with a publication for leaking Pokemon Sword and Shield information. Like it really feels at this point that they're making an example of something to so that it doesn't happen again. Um, they located the source of the Pokemon Sword and Shield leak, and its response is it, it, basically they, they've they've completely cut ties with this this media company. It's not a media company, it's like a review site. So back in November, major leaks of content in Pokemon Sword or Shield hit the internet, and these leaks began almost two weeks before the game was due to release and got gradually worse closer to the official release date. Um, Nintendo were on the case, however, and the company has now revealed that it has worked with the Pokemon company to identify the culprits, and it's someone within the game's media. Uh, they've been given early access to the game for review, and no- Nintendo will no longer be working with the writer or the website that they represent. 
uh, it's a Nintendo statement says, In early November, Nintendo identified a number of photographs taken from gameplay that revealed multiple new and unannounced Pokemon from Sword and Shield. These photographs have been posted online, and together with the, company, with the Pokemon company, we quickly identified the person responsible for these leaks and took immediate action. These Pokemon were leaked by a reviewer for the Portuguese website F Nintendo, which in English is an unfortunate name in this situation, uh, who had received an early copy of the game for review purposes. Both this reviewer and F Nintendo failed to handle confidential material, resulting in a clear breach of the confidentiality agreement between Nintendo and the media outlets. As a result, Nintendo will no longer work with F Nintendo. Um, this is like a big deal because that's a that's a website that focuses solely on nintendo stuff so like i could see this website not being able to work properly at this point yeah they've been, they've been part or well, not partner but they've been working with nintendo for 11 years and so this one reviewer choosing to leak this stuff has cost them a very like maybe the most important relationship that that website had nintendo aren't usually like vocal with this sort of stuff no games company is usually vocal with this sort of thing when they choose to blacklist a, a particular company so it's really interesting to see them do this yeah, I think they are definitely trying to make an example out of them. And you uh, it kind of plays into Nintendo's kind of general, slightly neurotic approach to its own public image. Yes, of course. But I mean, I think with good, as, as we mentioned before, with it, when it comes to Pokemon Sword and Shield, they've had good reason to be particularly annoyed in this sense, considering the Pokemon subreddit is still in meltdown about it. If I go to the Pokemon subreddit now, it's still people complaining about Dexits and the things that weren't in the game and Pokemon Home now being released they don't yeah. care about but that hasn't um, that hasn't impacted the sales of the game really as far as we, I mean we, you can't really tell we, can well you? the game was still sold really well yeah the game still sold really well but you don't really know if it if the, it could have sold even more you know could they have sold more switches if well, people were interested yeah, in we can yeah we can never know can we yeah exactly um, it's clearly Nintendo care a lot about this though and they really don't want it to happen again. Like they, 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 this is this is Nintendo going full out in terms of stopping this from happening again. And it's don't usually see this. Don't usually see this. It's um, yeah. I think it's Nintendo has like increasingly tried to like rein in control in this image in a kind of a world of increasing um, lack of kind of centralized control over stuff like that. Like yeah. their YouTube policy has been really a mess. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. They're probably going to get more strict. We'll see. I suppose it's happened. I feel sorry for F Nintendo, like because one reviewer has basically ruined this for them. I don't. I don't know what the rest of the staff are going to be like, or what they were like. They say they've they've fired the reviewer. You don't know like whether the rest of the staff are on board with this. But for a a media company who now can no longer work with their most important games company, is. A bit Let's of a change it to F everything. <laughs> F <Yeah>. games. <laughs> they're still posting new stuff, so they're still doing yeah. things. The I guess they still stopped. can, but yeah, it'll probably be a bit of a blow to them. Yeah, they're not going to get like review copies or anything going forward. Um, I don't know what Nintendo is like with review copies, if they're like good Pretty good from what I understand. Mm. I mean, giving Pokemon to someone weeks ahead of time is pretty good, considering most companies now tend to give games maybe of the week to... to, to to be yeah. reviewed, or like in the in that case of like Bethesda, not at all. Just not at all, yeah. So I think a few weeks beforehand is is probably pretty, pretty good for them, um, but not anymore. It's a shame. What do you want to? Which one? Let's go with PlayStation. Did I get rid of the second PlayStation thing? 
I'm sure, I'm sure I had two PlayStation news stories on here. Uh, I don't know. You're the newsman. I am. Oh uh, yeah, I've not. I've not put it on by mistake. Hang on. I'll send you another link. So we'll All talk right. about the first one, which which you okay. actually already have. Uh, do you want to read this one for me? Oh uh, sure. PlayStation's Manchester studio to shut down. Oh. Uh, so this is from Eurogamer. Uh, basically, they're just shutting down their Manchester-based VR studio, uh, which um, is a bit odd because just last month. Uh, they was it last month? They was, were advertising for a like new role. It was two weeks prior to the shutdown. Two weeks prior. They're on Twitter yeah. saying that you can you can you know, we're looking for more staff. Uh, who wants to come over here? Come apply and everything. And two weeks later, the studio has been completely closed. Yeah, so that's sad. It is I'm sorry, sad. I'm, it's like I feel sad for people who lost their jobs. Yeah, I I mean, first of all, I didn't know that they had a Manchester studio, or I probably would have applied by now. Um, but second of all. It's, well, you can't now. Of course I can't now. Good for you that you didn't. <laughs> um, it's interesting, that because this is a VR-based studio, they hadn't yet shipped a game. So I'm wondering like, what happened behind the scenes here. Like, Did they shut them down because they were just not working effectively? Or have they shut them down because there's less of a focus on VR? Yeah, has the demand for VR kind of gone down and they were like, well, like, we you don't would, really you need You would this. think that with the PS5, considering they have their own VR thing, They'd be going all in on VR, right? They go, they go yeah. even further with it. But clearly, well, we, don't know. we don't hear a lot about it, really. That's um, yeah, but kind of the whole VR craze has kind of um, you know, it, well, exactly as predicted, VR has become a it is a niche thing for enthusiasts. It has not become a mass market technology. No, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm still interested in it, but it really needs to come down in price. Like I know, yeah. I know it's difficult to do that because it has like really high depth screens and like high frame rate and everything. It's it, it's a lot to run it. Well, but... that's the point. Like it is current at the current price, and as long as it stays at the process it's at, it will remain a thing for like tech enthusiasts. Yeah, exactly. And like it, you know, it will not become a mass market uh, gaming technology at like a five hundred plus dollar price tag. But you need companies like Sony to be trying to find ways to bring it down in price yeah. in order to make it mass market. But I guess yeah. they just don't. It might have been made for like we need one less studio. Yeah, maybe, especially one that hasn't released any games yet in five years. Yeah, I mean it's has a long time not to release a game at all, especially for a new studio. Um, but we don't we don't we don't know what the background and history is there. I imagine it will come out eventually, but I suppose I suppose we'll see. Uh, with in terms of pricing and like keeping things down, they're actually struggling. It, the reports come out uh, yesterday suggesting they're struggling to lower the PlayStation 5 price. So right now, the manufacturing costs for the PlayStation 5 is allegedly $450, which is yeah. more than... And, and for PS4. reference, apparently, at launch, the PlayStation 4's manufacturing cost was, according to Eurogamer, was approximately believed to be about $381 and was initially sold for $399. Yes. So manufacturing costs aren't the only costs in releasing a console because you've also got packaging, you've got, you've got shipping, shipping, all of that stuff. Yeah. This is just the cost to actually make the thing. Uh, so $450 is a lot. And at this price, you'd think that they'd probably sell it for around 480 maybe even $500, which I think they'd be reluctant to do. That's a lot of money for a, for a new console. Yeah, that's pushing up to the £400 range as well. People are expecting, I think, a new console to be around $400. I, th- I think that's sort of like the limit there of what people will be willing to pay. Well, this is this is the PS3 all over. Do you remember how much the PS3 cost at launch? I don't remember. How much was it? Ridiculous. PS3 launch cost. It was expensive. It $599. Five, five, five hundred, yeah. Um, wow. 
Yeah, and that was $2,006. Yeah, so that's even more now. It launched in the UK £425. Yep, that's a lot of money for a new console. Yeah, um, that is. What's... Okay, I, I don't know if you're buying like a new console when it comes out, because Microsoft could also be having this problem. We don't know. Like mm. These consoles, from what we understand about them so far, they're significantly more powerful than what's currently out there. They've both made like a lot of big claims. Yeah, exactly. So clearly they're going to be on the on the pricier side. What's like... What do you reckon the, the limit of the price range is? In the UK, uh, for example. That will put me off or put your average kind of person off? Both. Uh, put me off. I think anything above um, kind of three hundred and fifty pounds, okay, is a bit is going to be a bit of a yeah. Considering a switch is like two seventy. Yes. Yeah. Like I feel like, and I guess I'm not that enthusiastic about. I've got like a PC. I'm not that enthusiastic about like the new HD like technology. So I, I, I mean, I know we know that there is an audience of like again console enthusiasts, like tech enthusiasts who have the 4K TVs and everything, who will be willing to pay out that money. Yes. That's fine. For me, who's just kind of a... I play games, but I'm not really that interested in kind of having the latest graphics or anything. I think 350 is kind of a limit where I stop being interested, like, regardless of the quality of the games. I mean, I probably I probably willingly go up to, like, £400, especially... Yeah. Provided I was, like, I was, like, into what they're doing. I'm not just going to do that just for the sake of it. But provided I'm into, like, the console itself, probably go up to £400. Yeah. But so many, still, for, like, like, your average person... For your average person, even know I think because... it's probably lower, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, and if you can... Again, considering, like, a Switch is, like, 270 and, like, that's popular already. Like, if you've got kids... Yeah. If you think you want to buy them a box to shut them up... Or 200 if you want to get the Switch Lite. Exactly. Like it's... so, yeah, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be like a PS3 situation where it comes out for quite a high price and it won't sell very well until it gets until that lowers. So suddenly the tech enthusiasts at the very start are gonna get it, which isn't what you really want to do when you're launching a new console at this point. Yeah, I like don't, in the yeah, when the PS3 came out, I think they were going for sort of like the more tech enthusiast side of things. Like, but now consoles even bigger, like console gaming or gaming in general is even bigger than it was then. Mm. When you launch a new console. You want it to sell well, like you yeah. want word of mouth to and, keep the to keep the ball rolling. Yeah, and this is like, do you remember when Sony told people to get a second job to before the PS3? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of a real. Uh, it's almost kind of like a disrespect of a customer. It's like you're gonna shell out like five hundred pounds for this new box because we made it. From what I understand, they are trying to get the the, the price down. They're just struggling to do so. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> who designed that console? Eh? Who designed yeah, it? I know. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I feel I, I'm hoping that maybe like Microsoft learned their lesson because Microsoft has spent like the last generation being like the Xbox One is the most powerful console, and it's not really done them any good. No, definitely not. Uh, so hopefully they've yeah. Um, I, I mean, companies will willingly sell their consoles at a loss. Because they'll make the money yeah. back in, in software, right? But how much of a I mean, loss they can they really do it? I mean, that definitely happened with PS4, right? Yeah. If we look, approximate cost of manufacture, 381, sold at 399. Obviously, when you encounter like shipping, packaging, and the, like, the retail margin, obviously that's a loss for Sony. Yeah, of course. Um, it worked out for them. But how much of a loss can yeah. they be willing to make on something? When, yeah, when, you, well, when you get into the 450 I mean, territory... Yeah, that loss becomes. Even I mean, bigger. Sony is like a massive company, right? They yeah. can afford a quite significant loss. Yeah, to uh, in the short term, exactly. But, 
Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Obviously, they want to make a profit later. We'll see. Sony's gaming division has been quite bad at making money at times. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when they were losing like 100 million a year or something. God. It's, this could end up being like good news for Nintendo, though. Like, if these consoles come out, they're really expensive, and people might be more inclined to get a Switch. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Nintendo's kind of positioned itself like quite well with being out of sync with a console cycle. Yeah. Because they can be like, our console's cheaper, and also it's got all these games on it. Yeah, exactly. I wonder how many games from third parties will come out once the new consoles are out, though. Like, once games are being made for the higher, like, even more powerful consoles, those, mm. like, they're already having a hard time porting some of the stuff across the Switch as it is. But I don't see them bringing yeah. some of the bigger we'll stuff see. across. We'll see. Um, Daniel Hauser. You know him, right? Yeah, f- fuck that guy. <laughs> He's the co-founder of Rockstar, and he is leaving the company in March following an extended break. Uh, Rockstar Games co-founder Dan Hauser will be leaving the Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption studio in March following an extended break that began early last year, according to parent company Take Two Interactive. Oh, is, isn't it nice, Cal? You just got to take a break from your work, you isn't it nice? I wonder, if, uh, I wonder if a Rockstar employees can take a year-long break from their work. Look, Daniel oh, Hauser, no, they fucking can't. Daniel Hauser always said that he Dan was... Dan Hauser, you fuck. He was doing the crunch as well as everyone else. That's why the crunch was encouraged. But what the, what the benefit here is, is that Dan Hauser, after doing years of crunch on Red Dead Redemption, can then be like, I'm going to take a year break, and then I'm going to leave the job. A year break which I still, where I still get paid. It's... God, um, I hope he fucking chokes. <laughs> fuck that. No, I've got. I wish him nothing but ill. I've got nothing but contempt for this man. I he can fuck off. I'm interested to see what happens with the Rockstar culture after this because obviously he was a big. Pu- Sam Hauser is still there. Sam Hauser is still the president of Rockstar, but Dan Hauser was a bit more of the person who was on the like on the ground floor, getting in with like he was. He was more involved in bullying the workers. Exactly. Yeah. So I wonder if the culture is going to change significantly after this. Um, what is so he was the he was the head writer of like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption. Which he wrote all the, he wrote all those shit stories. I quite like the stories of. I mean, I'm not going to say they're bad. I quite like them. Uh, certainly, Red Dead Redemption. I think has a really both those stories are really really good. I mean, I can separate that from the fact that he's a total arsehole. You know, who who ruined his staff's lives. I wonder what what the next games even look like without him there. Like what? What does do, is there a significant change? Do they just focus all in on the on the online stuff? Is Grand Theft Auto Six just an online game? Is I guess is what I'm asking. I have no idea. All I know is that I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> really struggling to care about this. <laughs> um, I've not played a Rockstar game in like a decade. That's fair. More. I think that's fair. Um, so. The presence, I mean, Santa House is still there. The presence not changed. I think this is a, it came two days ahead of their earnings report. Uh, and then, from what I understand, the stock dips dramatically upon him leaving because he is such a like a, a figurehead within that company. Hopefully, this means Rockstar can now head in a new direction. From what I understand of the past Maybe. years, the, cult, the past year, the culture has got better. The working like environment has got better, probably because he's not been there. Um, hopefully, this means that they can focus less on bullying their staff and more on just making good experiences Dan Hauser you are contemptible and all your wealth is stolen from the work of your workers absolutely I completely agree with that I hope he dies (laughs) 
I wouldn't go that far personally. Well, I do. I don't want anyone to die. But I did tweet. Uh, he's looking forward. I did tweet at Dan Hauser. I hope you die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. But I do hope that. Don't 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 tweet that at him. We'll get you'll get banned from Twitter. Um, also, he won't see it because your account's locked anyway. Yeah, sure. Uh, That's fine. I tweeted he looks forward to spending time off with his family and the millions of dollars he stole from his workers. Because <laughs> it's true, he did. Dan, Dan Hauser strikes me as a type of guy that if some anonymous like rando like me insulted him on Twitter, he would like offer to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> he would take it, but he would like reply personally and be like, "Meet me in the car park in half an hour. <laughs> We're gonna have a fight, mate." He does look like that. I'm just look. I didn't know what he looked like. He's got that vibe about him. He has. Like he will, he will fist fight you for making like a minor insult on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> he looks like the sort of person who would claim that the gender pay gap doesn't exist. I bet he has done it in the past. Dan, I'm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> he would Scott, have it out. Scott, you and I. I'm not. I'm not making fun of you when I say this, but he would win. <laughs> you think I, I'm a big guy? Yeah, but look at him. He's 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 made Grand Theft Auto, Dad. Scott. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he knows about this sort of he's stuff. He's researched gangs. He knows this these things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, another executive has said some interesting stuff this week. Uh, the Epic Games boss. So okay, so there's the initial thing he said. There's two stories here. There's initial thing he said. And there's the clarification he brought up afterwards. Tim Sweeney. So Tim Sweeney. This is the this is the report from IGN. Epic Games boss says all politics should be removed from game companies. He weighs. Oh, is that right? But hang hang on. You've got to listen to the to the context of it. I've got to listen to or hear him out. Yeah. During his keynote talk at the annual Dice Summit, Epic Games founder and CEO Tim Sweeney argued to keep politics out of gaming and away from developers so that marketers can sell games from a neutral ground. In a talk that covered everything from loot boxes to cross-platform play, Sweeney ended his keynote by addressing discourse in gaming and specifically involving politics. He began his talk by discussing the 1960 Harper Lee novel To Kill a Mockingbird and how art, like games, can serve as a discussion piece from politics. Well, Cal, imagine uh, how many copies Harper Lee could have sold if that book had no politics in it. Hang on. <laughs> if you think back to Killer Barkingbird and the impact that had on people's views at the time, I think that's a genuine outlet for games. It really makes people think about things. He changed lanes from the idea of games as a political medium and talked about the need for a separation of church and state model between politics and game company. He argued that game companies should get the marketing departments out of politics. So... A lot of people have taken this to mean he's saying that no politics should be in games whatsoever. But he, re- he then clarified his statement afterwards. Because obviously, politics are, are obviously in games. Like You can't make a game and not be political because it's made by artists and creatives who put their thoughts into these games. To, to take a view on things. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't not have that. Uh, he's saying that as a company or business should be operating as neutral venues for entertainment and employees, customers, everybody else can hold their views and not be judged by us for that. What he's So he's clarified since what he actually is saying, that marketing companies and the, the upper, like the, the management of companies shouldn't be getting involved with the politics of games. The politics of within the games themselves should be coming from the creatives who feel like they can have their say on the games without feeling like it needs to be either for marketing purposes or holding back for the sake of the game selling more 
if that makes sense. So he's not he's not actually saying don't put politics in games. He's saying people like me and the marketing people should stay the fuck away from that stuff. Like I think he's referring like you think about the division two where a Ubisoft marketing person said this is an unpolitical game when clearly it's one of the most political games to be released last year. I think what he's getting at is he's saying that he doesn't want people like the marketing stuff to even be involved in those sort of conversations, which I think is fair. Well, well, like it's a standard like CEO kind of speech where his like, he like couches his statements and so many kind of, um, you know, he hedges his bets so much. He doesn't really say much at all. Yeah. At least he's kind of clear where he's like, we should, uh, we should want to make our games more saleable. So we shouldn't mention politics. Yeah, like I, that's basically that's basically yeah, his argument. That's true. Is like, which um, <laughs> I mean, I I guess maybe they would sell more copies. I don't know. Um, but as as um, as people have pointed out, what he's saying, like even like running a co- you can't run a company in a politically neutral way either, right? I guess not because uh, because people point out like the Blizzard controversy. Like you have a player in your game who like says something about. China and China's treatment of like the pro-democracy movement and then you have a choice you can either let that stand or you can because he says like later in his speech or said like in a tweet or something like oh well we should know we're going to keep Fortnite a place where people can talk about human rights and so on but obviously like again that's not neutral right you either if you want to say Fortnite's a game where players can talk about human rights then that's a political stance we're taking or if, if you take the opposite like again if someone says someone talks about human rights in a way that pisses off a world government, a government that can determine whether you can sell in its rather big market, you can either censor that player or you can let it stand. And that's that's going to be a political decision. You can't, there's no neutral way. You can't, you know, saying this is a neutral venue to share ideas is impossible because simply saying, simply allowing people to share certain ideas is a political movement, right? Of course, yeah. He specified that the politics should come from the heart of creatives and not from the marketing departments, which I agree with. Like, a game shouldn't have politics because a marketing department decided that will sell well or that won't sell well, you know? The creatives of the of games should be able to put whatever they want to into their games and then just have those sell, you know, as 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 they do. If you get me. Yeah, at the same, at the same time, though, you... You get, you have no use in a situation where you know Ubisoft makes the division, and was it Montreal or the Ubisoft studio makes the division, and then the marketing department comes out and it's like there's no politics in this. But that's what he's trying to say. I think, I think, but that doesn't make sense though because that's it having a developer like make an obviously political game and then have the marketing department of the same company say oh there's no politics in this doesn't make sense of course it doesn't so i i the way i'm reading this is that he's saying the marketing department shouldn't be making any comments like that at all like the game should speak for itself i, I don't know do, do you have the marketing department say we've made this political game I have a say, yeah. Well, it it feels like he wants to kind of have his cake and eat it yeah. in a way where he wants to like have developers have a voice, but at the same time wants to kind of take the sense of, oh, our company's just a neutral ground for ideas, and we don't endorse a message of this game that we funded and published. <laughs> so you know, and you okay, shouldn't. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, so you know, I think in a way, like it's a way to be like, you shouldn't complain to us, which in a, is kind of shitty because then that's kind of reflecting. 
you know, you can get some very toxic crowds yeah. in the gaming community. And that's kind of reflecting hate onto the developers. Oh, yeah, okay, I like, can see that. Being like, pub- like, publishers should really have confidence in the games they publish and, like, absorb, you know, it's up to them to absorb, like, the negativity. And it's unfortunate we have an environment where, like, it could be like we release this game and we could get like harassment and threats. But you know, if you're going to have a strategy to deal with that, that should be obviously like the PR department and the marketing and like the company who, the publisher who absorbs that. Yeah, I agree with that. And they should try and like protect their developers. That's very true. I, I uh, guess, so I guess this, I th- this message is like a, it's both positive and negative because it's good that he's I saying. I understand from a sales point of view, he wants to be like, he wants to, like, we want to maximize sales by not kind of trying to piss off any one audience. I just don't know if that's really possible with some games. But it's also good that he's saying that we're letting our developers put whatever, as creatives, put whatever they want into the games, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, well, I think he said it in kind of a very ham fisted yeah. way, right? He said it in a way that like, someone says this because they're not affected by it. So he's not clearly thought about the actual words that he's using here or the actual yeah. message he's trying well, to get ob- And obviously as well, he's like addressing this crowd of like publishers and whoever. Yeah, it was a like, yeah, dice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he didn't phrase... I mean, I think it'd be kind of cowardly to do it anyway. I don't really agree with him in the sense that I don't think it's possible that a company, that one part of a company can be like, we're just taking a very neutral stance on this game. And the other part is like, we're developing this game yeah. with a clear like message. I just don't think that's possible in the way that he wants it to be. The initial headline for this... So now the headline on this IGN story is, Epic's Games Boss says all politics should be removed from game companies. The original yeah, headline, and you can't, and you can't tell me as well. I, either he didn't realise this is the way people would take it, in which case I think he's a bit naive, or like he's not got someone writing his speeches for him <laughs> well enough, or he knew, and this is like a headline grabbing. But the, but the original like headline headlines. was Epic Games Boss says all politics should be removed from games. Which I mean, regardless of the update, regardless of his clarification, I never read that into what you were saying at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't uh, read his full speech. So at no point was he actually saying that, I don't want this uh, in games at all. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. I think he should. I I think as I said, either he kind of knew people would go with that headline, in which case he's deliberately trying to like get press attention, or he's just a bit naive and didn't. I want to believe, or he the, has a bad it's press. It's the naive team. thing, or it's the bad press thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you should look at your own marketing department. <laughs> if <it> games. <laughs> bad press and video games. I I don't believe it. Video games yeah. are the best press ever. I mean, look at the Wii U. That had the best press <laughs> team on it at all. Now, the well. Wii U was a politically neutral console. <laughs> That's because the most people politically from, neutral People company. from all political spectrums didn't buy yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I truly believe that anyone who bought a Wii U is now against capitalism. Yeah. That's us. I'm honestly yes, full believer. because that. capitalism killed that good exactly. console. Exactly. <laughs> capitalism killed that good console. Anyone who bought a Wii U is now a fighter of the left and supports Bernie Sanders. Um, that's all the news that I had. I don't have any questions this oh, week. Another former, a former Epic boss this last fortnight also said politics shouldn't be in games. Wait, who? Cliffy B. Ah! With his <laughs> Cliffy B, the creator of many um failed games <laughs> such Cliffy as B Radical Heights and that other one that bombed. Yeah, he. What was the other game that bombed? Uh, Radical Heights. Lawmakers. And what, what was the hero shooter he tried to make? Lawmakers. Lawmakers. Uh, but, uh, once upon a time, Cliffy B did make successful games, but he has political made, games in the last yeah, yeah, but in the past ten years, he has made many games that have bombed completely, and, and he seems to have blamed this on um, his 
uh, progressive politics? <laughs> he, I don't know. <laughs> look, when Cliffy B does something wrong, it's never his fault. Now, we for Tim Sweeney, we had the, the option of either kind of cynical headline grabbing or like naivety. I think Cliffy B, in my opinion, is definitely saying this to cynically grab the headlines. Yeah, absolutely. And try and give himself some sort of relevance. Please give me attention. So Cliffy B, oh, this wasn't even on the news story, but let's fuck it, let's talk about it, uh, said that the reason lawmakers failed is because he tried to inject too much of his progressive politics within it and people weren't ready for that. Which is just one nonsense because lawmakers was just a bad game with nothing interesting going for it it was trying to be overwatch before wait was it was it called lawmakers no, it, he he started making a hero shooter when hero shooters were hot but Law- by the time it released hero shooters are kind of well yes well, yesterday's bad. it's not lawmakers it's law breakers breaker <laughs> oh yeah Essentially, he tried to make a hero shooter, he missed the boat, and hero shooters had kind of died down by the time he released. Then, in a desperate attempt to secure some sort of income, he made Radical Heights, which was cobbled together in, like, an afternoon. or (laughs) Not an afternoon, but he released it in Extreme Early Access, which was, um, Extreme was right, it was very uh, unfinished, it was like an alpha. Um, And yeah, then he tried to release Radical Heights to get on the... um, the Battle Royale train. And then tried to claim that it was the game they desperately wanted to make. Like, oh, this is the yeah. game we, we... Forget Lawbreakers. This is the game we really wanted to make. This it looked like it was made in a few Battle months. Battle Royale like, game. It, was, <laughs> it had, like, placeholder assets. It was very unfinished. It looked terrible. We've seen a <laughs> so few of those. what he said was... <laughs> he thinks the failure of Lawbreakers, he blames it on the woke politics. Which... <laughs> You would, what thing what is though, politics did lawbreakers Scott, have? The thing is, though, you would only know if you'd actually bought and played the game. Yeah. Right? You can't blame it on woke politics because people didn't know it. I was no going to say they didn't it. use it in any of the adverts, but I don't remember any advertising for, for lawbreakers at Let all. Have, so. I'm, I'm going to bring up the, the Wikipedia for it. Lawbreakers, first-person shooter developed by Bosky Productions, published by Next, Nexon. Um, Two teams of five players must work together to complete the objective of the match, with one side playing as Law and the other side playing as the Breakers. breakers. Though teams may not play as characters from the opposite side, the chosen roles have the same equipment and playstyle regardless of team. It's all a bunch of uh, Hearthstone-type matches. No, Hearthstone, uh, Overwatch-type matches. Um, apparently the reviews were favourable. It's just completely forgettable. The beta peaked at 7,500 players, which is not high at yeah. all. So, like, before the game yeah. even released, people weren't even interested in yeah. trying it. Yeah, so, Cliffy... So, I mean, we're talking about it, I guess, but only to make fun of it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's in the news again. Hooray! The, the, the guy who said he was done with games forever is in the news again, talking about games. After no one liked his games. Oh, just... Alright, Cal, Cal, I've got a, I've got an amazing brainwave of an idea. Go on, right? okay, this could be instead of the let's, questions. Let, let's release a game... Yep. That in a genre that is already dominated <laughs> by two of the most popular games in the world. Okay, so we're going right? to release a uh, MOBA mm. battle royale game. Yeah, but but we have to make sure we definitely should rush it to market and release it looking terrible and full of bugs. Okay. Yep. That, like it. And mm, mm, but let let's not give it any marketing either. Okay. Cool. Really, because Fortnite was a, didn't have much marketing and that was popular. So I'm sure like. It will be the same for our game. Well, right? Minecraft has never had any marketing, and that's the biggest mm. game in the world. And, and pub and PUBG looked a bit janky for a bit. Yep. So we don't need to make our game look good. Yep. Yep. Okay. Or have any like new features, like it, or anything, like it. Hmm. Well, and let's put all our money into this. Okay. What what sort of um politics are we going to put in the game? 
Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be absolutely woke. Okay, cool. Like it, yep. Do we tell anyone that it's woke outside of the actual game itself? Mm, no, but we'll blame it later. Okay, but we know it's woke. We know. But no one you else. And I will know. We're not going to put that in the marketing or anything. Because one of, them, one of the characters is like a rainbow t-shirt. Oh, okay. Woke. Okay. Mm. How diverse is it? Uh, one, um, one brown person. <laughs> light-skinned, of course. <laughs> okay, yeah. I like it. Like it. And we'll have a Japanese man. Oh, cool. Okay. Does he speak in broken English? Uh, mm, yeah, you can unlock that <laughs> in the loot boxes. All right, this bit's done. Great. That's the end of the podcast. <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Yeah, uh, look forward to you. our new game. Uh, law uh, fighting heroes. Men. Men. Women. Uh, brackets and women. Woke. Too woke. Brackets within brackets. LGBTQ+. Close brackets. Close brackets. Uh, I've... Can't fail. <laughs> I've been Cal Doughty. You've listened to Nerd and Geek podcast Hunter. with me, as always, is everybody's friend Scott <laughs> Hunter. Uh, go listen to Scott's Star Trek Picard podcast from yeah, last week. Yeah, I sat down with my friend John and we talked about the start of CrewReviews.net is his website, and we uh, we sat down and we had a talk Wait, about net. the Star Trek Picard pilot. I've been putting dot com. Oh well, it's dot net reviews dot com. I don't know if he has .com. Have a look. <laughs> Sorry, John. Insane. No, it's not .com. Okay, it's .net. Shit. I told you it's .net. Hang on, let me double check. Let me... <laughs> Cal, you fucked it I'm up. I'm so good at this. Uh... <laughs> I'm so sorry, John. <laughs> Let's have a look. Uh, what did I actually put on there? We're going. We're sticking with this on the podcast now. We're going to see what I what I put. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm very professional. Uh... What's my password? Cal. What's my password to log into the to the po- Okay, I've got it. I've got it. Uh, oh, there's so many fucking things to get through. Profile. Manage latest episodes. That. What did I put? You put .com. Did I? Classic me. Let me change that. I'll oh, change that right e- edit now. it. I'll change that right now. I probably put it .com in all of the. Uh... All right. <laughs> well done, me. Um, and uh, if, <laughs> if you want to come on the podcast so that we can miss uh, type your website. <laughs> Please um, uh, email us at nerdandorgeek at gmail.org. In my my defense, John didn't say anything. He saw the... uh, He even shared it. So if anything, this is on him. Uh, Sure. That's it. That's the podcast. (laughs) We've got to go fast. Let's get Uh, out of here. On that bombshell... If you have any questions for us, I didn't didn't ask for questions this week because we recorded this a day earlier than planned. Um, Nerdandorgeek at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs>